Welcome to the Salty Bulldog, the podcast that spent last Friday night watching Jordan Sweet's Twitch account. My name is Matthew Donald and I have Nick Galea with me as I do every week. And if this is the first time that you've been listening to us this season, there is plenty more uh, episodes that we've been recording throughout the year. You can check out the Salty Bulldog and all of our previous episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We've also got plenty of content on our social media pages as well. You can also search out the Salty Bulldog on Facebook and YouTube. Check us out on Twitter at the Salty Bulldog on Instagram by searching the.salty.bulldog or also our website, www.thesaltybulldog.wix.com forward slash home. Nick Lear, Western Bulldogs are first on the AFLL, first for points scored, first for points conceded and five and zero for the first time since 1946. Life's pretty good as a Bulldogs fan at the moment. It is exceptionally fantastic at the moment, uh, being a Western Bulldog supporter. Um, yeah, you're right. I'd say they just um, call off the rest of the season. And as I mentioned last week, hand over the Premiership Cup right now. Stop the count? Stop the Exactly. Stop the count. That's a fine thing to mention. I'm quite sure I uh, revealed our, our president of the Salty Bulldog last year, uh, or last week rather. I'm sure he's quite pleased to see that the Bulldogs are 5-0. and oh. As I said, the last time we were in this position, 1946, Wally hadn't even played his first game for the club yet. He was still a, a few months away. So that's how long it is. And he, he made his debut a long time ago, Nick. Not sure if you know, but it was a long, long time ago. This is insane, seriously. That statistic, I can't believe that, seriously. 75 years. Yeah. And the closest we've got to, um, you know, bettering that record, of course, in, the, in my memory, anyhow, I'm sure you've got a few more numbers, potentially, is, of course, 2008. What do we do? We won seven of our first eight games, including a draw. Um, I'm trying to wonder, has there, other than, of course, the 5-0 and o start, but let's just think around. Has there been anything better that you know of by the 2008 start? So there were, and I, I looked through it, there were a few times where we'd gone 4-0, and zero, but it was mm-hmm. it was yeah. a very... 2006 was 2006, one. it was a very rare occurrence. I don't have the, the years listed, but it, it, yeah, after 2006, it was actually a fair while going back. Uh, and you could think of some of our, our big years as well as a, as a as a club, 97, 92, 85. I don't think we started the year four and zero in any of those. And clearly we hadn't started five and zero for, for a while. So this is our joint best start to a, to a season ever. It's actually our second best start to a, to a season ever in the club's history. So we, we never went four and zero or five and zero before 1946. That year, for those who were interested to know, because it hasn't been spoken about a lot, we made top four that year we actually started the season nine and zero we won our first nine games of the year and that at the moment is the club's longest winning streak of all time so from round one to nine in 1946 we won every game and then we went on a pretty ordinary record i think we only won four of the remaining nine matches or something like that three Uh, maybe three of the nine games something Something along those lines. Well, how many matches were there roughly in that season? I well, 18, 18, 18 games. So we ended up on what, 13 and 
five or something. Thirteen and five, yeah, would have been. Something. I think it sounds about right. Thirteen and five, and then finish it off thirteen and six. So thirteen and six. So there were uh, nineteen games played that year, not eighteen. I'm not sure what they were doing. Very strange, isn't it? I wonder. Yeah, yeah. So didn't not a great second half to the year, but couldn't ask for more for the the first half of the year. But we did finish top four that season. So every time we finished five and zero, we've made top four. And every time we've uh, finished five and zero, we've crashed out of the finals without winning one. So mm-hmm. depends on how you want to look at it. Mm. But we're on. We're looking now at the greatest winning run of all time. Where we're halfway there at the moment, as as Bon Jovi would say. I've already forgotten what I brought up to you a couple of weeks ago in terms of those stats. That's it. That's it. We're guaranteed to win a flag or such. I forgot what it was. These certain numbers, but um, there's a couple more, of course, that I brought up in my five things. And only three other clubs have had a better start in terms of five and zero uh, regarding percentage. And three of those teams end up making grand finals. So, of course, West Coast in '91. Carlton in 95 and the Saints in 2009. So that's one premiership, two grand final losses. It was loss, win, loss, okay. which means by the pattern, it has to be a win. win. So it has so to what, be a win. So what does that mean for, for Melbourne then? Because we were, so we were five and zero first, they were five and zero second. So that means that we're definitely, because Mel, then Melbourne have to lose the grand final, don't they? So it means what we're being what Melbourne have we got, grand 29, final. What have we got? 29% of them or such, give or take. It's a bit, it's of, a, a bit of a jump. I don't even know if it's 29. It's probably give or take a bit more. But yeah, it's there's there's still a lot of work to do. But yep, all you know, all cards are out on the table here, and uh, just just give us the flag. And that win, uh, what helped that percentage came off the back of a very impressive sixty-two point win over the Gold Coast Suns at Marvel mm-hmm. Stadium mm-hmm. on we jumped Saturday. Seven and a half percent, I think, courtesy of that victory. It was looking like it was going to be a lot more than sixty-two points in the end so we kicked the first 11 goals of the game and then we conceded in the last 19 seconds of the of the first half so it was pretty much essendon but in reverse so instead of instead of the ordinary start to the match it was the oh, sorry instead of the ordinary start of the half it was the ordinary end to the half so 11 goals and when, to did, none. when did essendon score their first goal within 19 seconds of that game too that's, that's yeah there a reason it, it seems very poetic doesn't it mm. very symmetrical so this was looking this was looking north melbourne levels in term at, at halftime, it was it was looking it was looking like three figures was was on the cards, and then things fell away a bit in the in the third term. So the final scores of the the match we've got here: eight seventeen sixteen one hundred eighteen. The, the Western Bulldogs Gold Coast eight eight fifty six. Goals were shared around for the most part of the day. So Bonson Pelly kicked three goals. Second time he's kicked a bag of three this year. Dunkley Norton Trelaw and Bruce all getting in the act with with two apiece, and then English Hunter McNeil Scott. Eason Wood venturing forward for a rare goal and Liberatore also getting on the on the score sheet. Dunkley led the way in terms of disposals. He had 38 for the match. McRae 35. Bonsapelli 33. So before the start of this season, he'd never once had a game where he had over 30 disposals and three goals. He's now done it twice in the first five matches this season. Dale probably played his best game for the club, I would say, off the back plate with 27 disposals and, and Trelaw again, 26. So big, 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 big numbers across the board. And if the ball is kicking that yeah, many goals... give a reminder that there's another... Uh, what is it? The Pies are paying how much of it, of course, over the next five years? Uh, so the next 12 years. So that's, uh, next 12. It might as well be 12. Yeah, you've, got, you've, you've set him up there, uh, Andy. So 300000 a year, I believe. Indeed it is. That's still incredible, I tell you, seriously, with what's going on with, with of course, you know, our cap situation, which we might touch on that actually a bit later because we've... I've got a couple of reports maybe about um, from Kaltumi, isn't it? 
Uh, yeah, well, there's... We might touch on that a bit later, I think. But um, yeah, still onto the game. That first half, that first quarter, which I unfortunately got to miss, and wasn't able to find a parking spot. So that was very hectic. So what did you make of the first term? It was... Always sounds weird referring to a quarter as a tale of two halves. But that's why it felt not chalk and cheese sort of levels. But the first part of the, the first term was, well, it was fantastic. It was a bit bit slow to start off with. Um, but then once they got the first goal through Wood, then things started to, to roll. Obviously, Bontepelli was um, doing as he pleased, Dunkley as well. And they started to to get on a roll with, with kicking the goals and going forward. And they looked like scoring every time they went forward. And then things started to fall away a bit in the second half of that, that first term. So I think I counted there were nine intercept marks from uh, Gold Coast, which is, is quite a high number for a quarter. And it wasn't even the entire quarter either. That was sort of condensed into probably about a 10 to 15 minute spell of play. So that needed to be sorted. I made a point of that at, at quarter time. And to their, to their credit, they did sort it. And then obviously you were there for the second term and, and, yeah, well, that was that was fantastic football. That was that fantastic. It was, was quite quite nice to watch, quite fun to watch. Um, and so we always play a very attractive brand of football. And I think I remember reading last year there was an article leading up into the, the Melbourne game that I think we were definitely one of the most watched teams in the competition. And this year, the way we're playing, certainly, you know, um, that would definitely back those numbers up for sure. It's and it's due reward, of course, that we get a bit more prime time now. Um, the 4.35 start, did that, did that affect your day a little bit, seeing as, of course, it had to get pushed back a little bit? No, it actually, um, actually fitted in quite nicely, quite well, actually. I wouldn't say it was um, – that, that's personally for, for me. I'm sure there would have been people who'd be inconvenienced by that. But I didn't I didn't bother too much with it. It didn't, didn't affect me all that much. It gives you enough time to get sort of things done in the first half of the day, and then it's you know, not too late by the end, the end of the match that you can still um, do things afterwards as well. Uh, maybe if it was a Sunday, it'd be a little bit different. But because it's a Saturday, there's no no work on the next day. It's it's not the worst slot. In terms of probably prime time viewing and and revenue and all that sort of stuff, yeah, it would be. Um, but just as a as a casual uh, supporter, I was alright with it. I didn't mind it at all. Actually, I'm a, not too fussed anyhow. What time or whatever we play. In all seriousness, just very happy to be there. And definitely there was a lot of relief on my face when I finally found a parking spot to be able to make my way to the stadium. I've got to ask, got to ask you, why are you taking the, because I was, because those out there were, who were fortunate enough not to have to um, be subjected to Nick's uh, play-by-play commentary and trying to find a parking spot. He lives out way out west and he was driving to North Melbourne to find a parking spot. From that- Frankston. Are you in Frankston? I was, I was down in Frankston the following, uh, the previous night. Went to watch my mate play footy in Brighton. Uh, watched him play till about two, two-ish. Stayed back for an hour. Left Brighton at three, thinking it'd be more than enough time to get to North. And it was. Just kept driving around Roden and Stanley and Hawk and whatever street you want to say and not find a thing. So, yeah, that was... I think I ended up going straight down at Footscray and still couldn't find a thing there. So I couldn't find a spot there. So I'm just lucked out to make him way down to Wilson Parking right across the stadium. We're exactly at where I was, probably 45 minutes sooner. There are many lessons to Very take away from that. Firstly, lessons. no driving in the city. Don't start your voyage to Marvel Stadium from Brighton an hour and a half before the game starts. Mm, not good enough. If you can, take the train. 
do take the train. I know it's not it's not always going to be possible, but just take the train if you can. That is the first and only time I've ever driven to a match, and it will never happen again. Okay, wonderful. Never happen again. Wonderful, Nick. I wanted to I wanted to run something by you because I've been thinking about I've been thinking about Luke Beveridge as a coach, and the we had a question last week about whether he's the or where he sits among coaches in the competition, whether it's top three, top five. I want to, I want to think, I want to ask, I want to talk to you about versus 2016, because it all starts with 2016. The, the list is, is perceived, or that list was perceived to be a very young list, but I think, and I know you don't have the numbers because I haven't brought this up, but I, I'm pretty sure somewhere it indicates that that list is not as young as it was or not a, as good as it was. Um, I think in terms of age demographic, it might have been a bottom four list. Is that ringing any yeah, bells there, for you? There were there were definitely a bottom four quartiles in age and experience. And I think people, if they wanted to check it up, of course, they can check these. Um, there was an article in mid-2017, I'm sure that or might have, would have been 2018 potentially, that Chris Grant brought up about saying um, that the club was taking a particular path that um, would have it not drop out of contention, but just try to resettle itself once again before it uh, relaunched its campaigns in the, in the following seasons, 2019, 2020, and evidently 2021. Um, that list, though, at the time, that was not what people would say was Beveridge's list, even if he was the coach. Of course, it was a, yep. um, a combination of what was left over of the Ede era and the McCartney um, era at the same time too, understandably. But, yeah, it really wasn't exactly Beveridge's side. Now he's been able to formulate his team, combine and figure out who he wants to be on the journey. And there's only, what, less than less than a dozen collectively, not talking flag winners, but the list itself from 2016. Yeah. The, There'd probably the ex- only be about, there'd only be about probably 12 to 15 players of that 44 left. Maybe not even, probably less. I don't even know. So there's been huge ten, difference in the side too. So, so I don't have the numbers on the whole list, but 10 of the 22... Mm-hmm. Uh, 10 of the 22 are still there. Mm-hmm. So and let's probably say at least maybe another five potentially list wise. So yeah, let's think potentially. Yeah, let's it's just yeah. throw, that, throw a blanket around. So yeah, we've established that so we've established that, that 2016 premiership was one with a list that's not his. No. So he's he's come to the club, he's he's seen that this is probably that the, the list is at its the, the list is at its peak. Mm-hmm. So he's thought, let's have a go. And we won a premiership. That, that's 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 extraordinary yeah. that that's happened. But yeah. what has happened since then, and and it it's, and it explains partly what you were referring to with that with Chris Grant, um, the Chris Grant article about the drop off, is that he's then gone about building his list, and that requires a rebuild, which is what we saw certainly in in twenty eighteen, um, parts of of twenty seventeen, and I suppose parts of twenty nineteen as well. You can't you can't complete a rebuild in. 18 games, although we do like to um, suggest that that's what's happened. What um, is what we're seeing now, the combination of, of, of three things, a, a genius coach. And I don't use the term lightly. He's one list with a flag with a list that's on his, a genius coach with a side that he, with a list that's his, that's matured. And the third part, I think, is the key. So this list, he's had the best part of, of two, three seasons now from yeah, from parts of 2018 to 2019, obviously, last year. But now we're seeing some of these 
Some of these senior players of the, of the team aren't 21, 22 anymore. They're 24, they're 25. I think mm. of Bontepelli, I think of, uh, I think of McRae. Um, I think of, I think of Dunkley. I think of English has been around for a while. Now these are not young players anymore. These are players that have played five or six seasons. And I'm sure I'm missing a, a, a host of others as well. You bring in Trelaw, who's an established player, Martin, who's an established player uh, as well. Oh, are we so it's was the maturity what we've been missing in, in the past two seasons that's separating this 2021 crop from what we've seen in the last two years? I would say so. When, when I've had conversations with you about you know flag prospects and stuff, I've always told you the 2016 flag was one off heart, and the next one that we win it would be simply because we're better than the rest. You have Generally, said that a few times, you know, that would make the competition fearful of what we're capable of. And we've, we've showed that in spurts um, throughout large portions of 2019, where we were arguably better than our elimination round exit. You know, probably should have been at least minimum a, a semi-final side. Um, last year, unfortunately, I believe we got what we deserve though, but we still show the capacity to push sides. I always um, put an asterisk gotta, next to, to last season. A though. little bit. Yeah, I can and I can't at the same time too. Sometimes I think it just depends on the day for me and what yeah. I tend to believe. It's, you mentioned maturity. I think also going from there too, it's, it goes back to the support cast. And you look through the season 2017 and 2018, you look at who's trying to lead the way there. Of course, there's that drop-off in, in experience. You know, you know, so many uh, hundreds of games, of course, from a number of players that have vanished from the list. And the support cast wasn't exactly there. You know, the ones that you're hoping for in that, 25 to 28 range, 29 um, range, or age bracket, that is. They're meant to be the ones that are pushing the case forward, not the 22, 23s. Um, of course, some of them being 21 at the time, you know, bonds and such. But now the wheels turned around. Of course, they've got an extra three, four years under the belt and the support cast underneath them. You've got your Nortons, you've got your English, you've got your Lipinskis. Um, not that they're playing now, like Riley West, you know, he's been, this is his third season at the club as well. There's a whole bunch of other players that you could throw, throw a blanket over, but they're a lot more ready-made to provide that extra help and support. You know, it's not always the same players burning through those midfield minutes. I think that's probably also similar to it as well in 2016, how we had a high number of uh, midfielders rotating through, trying to allocate yeah. their minutes properly, keep them all fresh, and that seems to be quite similar to what's happening again now whereas last year and probably even the season prior we'd go on with a set four or five even if we had other fellows in the midfield combination that could do it was, it was a strong four we, or five yeah it was right. it was very much but we tended to stick with that to say this is our best combination this is what we're going to do we still do that at times when we have to you know if there's a you know, crunch clearance that needs to be won or yeah. important moments in the game but there seems to be a lot more trust and responsibility that's shared across um, the entire collective midfield unit. And it's it's nice to see that type of belief amongst the group again, that they know that whatever's going on, um, I mean, it's easy to say now because we're 5-0 a, a bit, yeah. but there's been times, of course, this year we've been challenged, you know, um, Brisbane's third quarter where we have to show a bit of steel and and resolve to, to hold back, um, not an onslaught, but, you know, they, they certainly were coming. They were making their moves. Coast in, 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 the, uh, in the fourth and in the third quarters. Uh, Collingwood, who's still a semi-respectable side too, and but not once this year have we really genuinely looked outclassed or, or properly under the pump. 
Um, I think I put a little bit of numbers in there where we've only conceded <clears throat> more than two goals or consecutively uh, just twice this year now. Uh, and that would have been, of course, West Coast's um, little burst before three-quarter time and the Gold Coast Suns kicking four, um, four majors before Bonton Pally's um, goal towards the back end of the third. So that's, what, six? No, sorry, that's seven out of 42 goals we've conceded. And only of them have come in large spurts. So that's that shows you collectively everyone knows their role, knows what they're meant to do. And it's like a it's like a well-oiled machine, you know. There's not many, uh, there's not much rust on the armor, there's not much um errors and flaws going around at the moment. It seems very well drilled and disciplined. And just what you said on the on the ages as well. So I've got it up here. So Keith and Bruce, your your bookends, 29 and 28 respectively. Uh, Johannesson, Liberatore, Trelaw, all 28. Crozier, 27. Hunter, 26. McRae, 26. Bontepelli, 25. Dale, 24. Dunkley, 24. You can add uh, Caleb Daniel into that. He'll be 24, 25 as well. And where that's is, the- uh, Where's Duray, please? If you've got him on there. Duray is 29, sorry, as well. Um, and then uh, almost 30. I think, he's, uh, I think it'll be his birthday uh, next Saturday, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously you've got Easton Wood, who's is one of the one of the veterans. I think there was an uh, I think there was a, a great reliance on the veterans of 2016. Uh Murphy mm-hmm. obviously though he didn't play uh, Matthew Boyd, Dale Morris mm-hmm. and Liam Pickett. And then they there was the a clock back a little bit yeah, didn't they? They did. And then there was a reliance on Bonson Pelly, Stringer, McRae mm-hmm. as well who were 2021. That group in the middle mm-hmm. it wasn't they, they it wasn't well there on themselves. They yeah. played they played as, uh, and I don't know if I said this to you too, but at the time also, I'm saying like, we're seeing their, you know, we're seeing their 25, 26 year old versions, you know, six yeah. or so years too soon. It's like, this is incredible. You can just imagine how good they're going to be in their peak years. If they can show this type of caliber and quality at that age, it's such, you know, with such responsibility on their shoulders to, to take a, a club like that. And I don't, I've mentioned this to other friends too. I can only think other than Bonds. Um, there'd be Joel Selwood and Chris Judd. But yeah, Bonds is probably one of those three players that I can say that whose fortunes have completely changed since their, their recruitment to the club. You know, where the expectations have changed, the, the, the belief in the club, you know, where they try to see themselves too. Do you think we'd be in this version, not just the 5-0 stuff, but this idea of expecting success, you know, over the past half a dozen or so years, do you think it comes down to one particular man? Obviously, we're all a team, but you know his his recruitment is like a like a cornerstone in this push. I was trying to write an article about Bontempelli celebrating his, his 150th game, and I, I couldn't do it because I, I, I couldn't I couldn't piece together anything that I was happy with and that I thought was was worthy of such a footballer. But I did use the phrase "change the club." When I was sort of the writing, dynamics I, of it. I, I did want to use that phrase because when Bontepelli arrived at the club, we, we sort of know where we stood in terms of, in terms of relevancy, in terms of um, popularity and, and all that sort of stuff. Since he's come in, that's all changed. Even in, that, even we're very in 20, marketable now, aren't we? Yeah. Even in 2017, 18, where we were struggling, we were still a much more marketable side. And you think of you think of the caliber of players that we've been able to bring in since Bontempelli arrived. It's lifted. It's lifted a lot. We don't have to. We, we no longer do we have to rely on the rookie draft. 
um, to to bring in some players or, or obviously all the all the drafts. They're actually established players outside of other clubs that we can convince to come to the club. And now we've spoken about Trelaw. That could be the that could be the best trade in the club's history. Not just in mm. terms of what we gave up to bring him in, but this is mm. the first time that I can think of that we've brought in an elite player in his prime years. Any other elite player you can think of we've brought in just has been well past it. As serviceable as they've been, their better years were at other clubs. Barry Hall, Akamanis, et cetera. I could go on. I can't think of any other they names. Still, still had a bit of football to give though, those guys. Yep. But yeah, of course, no. at the latter end. But it's it's amazing because you really think about it. We've had some good players in, but you're right. He is really the the biggest name probably arguably ever brought in. He's, and it, it fits perfectly, or he has fitted perfectly. It was It was a gamble to bring him in because of the fact that he wasn't he wasn't universally viewed as the fourth best player in the draft. He was a second round prospect for most of the year. He'd had a good end to the under 18 championships that saw him rise up the draft. But I don't think every single club would have taken him at pick four if it was available. There was only one club that I that I know of, of course. Again, this is not confirmed, but as far as I know, only the Pies were the ones that had a main interest in him. They were looking to snare at pick six. That was the intention why they traded up. They originally had what? Picks 10 and 11. Uh, of course, pick 11 being the Dale Thomas combo. They end up trading 11 and 20-something or whatever it was um, to get West Coast pick six and pick 44. Mm-hmm. Obviously, pick six end up becoming Matt Scharenberg. Here's a bit of trivia, though, of course. You know now, the pick that they traded to West Coast became Dom Sheet with pick 11. So technically, they traded away the 2018 flag okay. with that. And... Um, but yeah, they tried to get very close to, to Bontempelli because, as you mentioned, he was very much like a late first, early second huh. around proposition. Exceptionally raw, though. Now, do you happen to know when his birthday is, actually? Because we know that Simon Dalrymple happened to love a lot of uh, late bloom or, or late uh, birthdays. You know, Bailey Williams for one, Lewis Young. Lewis Where's Young, Marcus Bontempelli's uh, birthday month, Matt? I'm pretty sure it's the 25th of December, isn't it? There you might as well be. It might as well be, to be honest. I thought that was a given. Plenty of gifts. Um, I'm going to look that up. Is he, Bontebelli, because we, we, we asked this question for you a few weeks ago, and it's come up again now that they've been celebrating his 150th. But I just want to check with you just to see if anything's changed. Is he the best player the club's ever had? There you go. He's in November. So that suits the trend with Simon Darrymple's recruiting. Is he the best player we've ever had? Well, I'm trying to set up. What did I mention last time? The first so, 150 games. He's yeah, in, so he's you in said, the top five or three to six range, four to six range. So I think I I don't have the quote up here, but I'm pretty sure we have quoted you as saying he's definitely in the top 10. But if we're yeah, measuring that's, that's off, a, off, a, off a player's first 150 games, then he is mm-hmm. a clear number one. Potentially. That's just from my... From yeah, my that's, that's, what you've, that's what you've said. Yeah, I'd, I'd back that for sure. Do you still I'll maintain that? that? Or do you think overall... I'll stick with that, uh, Matt. Um, it, it, it's just an incredible resume that he's built up, of course. You know, his accolades speak for himself. Um, if, if he's able to add, obviously, a long way to go, but let's say there's another flag and let's say you talk of another best and fairest in the premiership here, that really puts him well and truly in, a, in another stratosphere at this club. You know, even if you put aside the idea of the flag, you know, that'll be four best and fairest within his, what, first eight years. And then I'm sure there's a there's a runner up in there. There's a three all Australians know, third placing and stuff too. And probably if that's the case, there'll be another all Australian on the way too. And it's 
Uh, and then Jackson McRae will be thinking, what do I have to do to win a best and fairest at, this, at the Dogs? You know, so it's... I don't think he'll ever win one now. As long as Bond and Pelly say he probably won't ever win one. Yeah. But it's, no, he's got to be. I said, if it's not the first, the only thing is I'm just trying to make it a bit equal here. If it's not number one, number two, but it, it doesn't matter. If it's if he's number two now, it'll be number one by the end of the year, lock and loaded. Because you've got to think, we've been blessed to see the first 150. You just can't imagine how good the next 150 odd will be. This is and yes, I do say that he will be staying. Of course, uh, there's no no two ways about it. He will no. be staying. No, no I, don't, I don't think. Uh, yeah, so that's um, a bit that, that's come through as well. So there's been some some contract talks. So that's uh, set to be announced. I think in the in the next couple of weeks. Now, I think the the Bulldogs wants a or Bontempelli wants a long term deal. The Bulldogs are less inclined to give that. Although there was an interview with Amit Baines the other day that suggested that there would be an initial deal, but there would be trigger points beyond that. So whatever those targets are, um, that they would add years onto the deal. That was that was what I took away from it. So um, do I have? Uh, so here's what uh, here's what Baines has said. So we'll work through the length of the deal. This is on the on the Bondapelli contract. We've been less inclined to go really really long with our deals for both the sake of the club and also the player. A lot can change in time. As long as there's the right sort of reference points or trigger points to come back and talk about the contractual position, it doesn't necessarily require a long deal in one hit. It can be done along the way. So that suggests uh-huh. so either... that's 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 internal triggers. That's um, let's just say he might reach. It's like Stefan Marsen hypothetically, but not right now. You know, if he reaches, yeah. I don't know what it is exactly. But let's say he reaches 15 games, he does trigger that second season. There's a target for next year, that is, yeah. as a target. So I wonder, probably, it'd probably be like a fourth year. It might include maybe an extra AA or, again, Brownlow placing even, which might add an extra bit of dosh to his tally. Mm-hmm. That's, but that sounds, like that. that sounds like they'll compromise. They'll get mm-hmm. they'll get a deal that, that doesn't completely mm-hmm. satisfy both parties, but but both parties will be mm-hmm. happy enough to to agree to it. Mm-hmm. In terms of the, do- the dogs get... the marketing allowance he takes up too. Because there's that cap, there's a separate cap for that as well. So clanger on the road, Marcus. Oh no! Is he anything? No, 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 no! Don't, don't. <laughs> Why? Oh man! I love that. You made me. You made me start thinking of that McCray commercial now. Macca's. Macca. Macca or whatever it is. God. I I think that someone's why'd got. Sh- why would you show me that? Oh no! We've got, so we've got, I can't believe you hadn't seen that though. No, so, I didn't even so, heard of it until you brought it up. So afterwards, <laughs> so after our after our episode last week, this is some some context because I don't think we spoke about last week's episode. This is an exclusive for you. This okay, exclusive. this is something that Cooper Gretsch doesn't believe in. We spoke about we spoke about McRae, and, and I, I I jokingly suggested that he could be more famous for his his cameo on the McDonald's ad than he has for than he is for anything he's done on a football field. And Nick looked at me quizzically because what are you talking about? What's this McDonald's ad? I couldn't believe that you haven't seen that on the television before. Not once. And I still haven't. I still have not. That's 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 unbelievable. I actually don't believe you. There's try no me. way if you've been watching that's the football, say, there's, there's, no, there's no way you can't you can't have seen that ad. Well, I'm not one that tends to watch Macca's commercials for my during the <laughs> football. Know. During the football, you know what the well, you know what these these uh these stations yeah, are like. Do, they pick an ad and they just that. they pick an ad and they they just they just they oh, advertise no. the the life out of it. Anyway, I can think of better ways to spend forty five seconds or however long it was. But it was 30. interesting seeing McRae there. Only thirty. Yeah, well, uh, speaking 30. of, oh, there you go. Speaking of McRae, three hundred and forty disposals away now from that uh, that uh, all time top ten. It's an illustrious career so far, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
It is very, he's a good very footballer. He really is a very good footballer. Some other news here in terms of contracts. He didn't play on the weekend. He should be good to go this week, though. Latham Vandermeer, the Dutchman. Uh, back no, from last Dutchman. week. We love this guy. Playing Dutchman. Uh, so they've, um, well, his deal is set to expire this year, but the Bulldogs in talks of, of getting that one extended. So you can imagine. This is a via Cal Toomey, isn't it? It's Cal Toomey as well, yeah. Um, he's very good, actually. Fantastic, Juno. He is. No, he's, 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 he's normally been, been pretty good. Um, something else that he said as well that, um, he said Bontepelli was was always wanting to stay with the dogs, but he was more focused on getting the dogs off to a good start for the year. I'd say five and zero is is pretty good. It's all right. It could be better. Could be uh, better. And the way that and this is according to Tumi as well. The dogs, the way the dogs have manipulated the, the cap space in terms of um, front loading, back ending deals. Uh, I suppose um, uh, I suppose this is still we're still thinking about the impact that um, Tom Boyd's decision to to hand back some of his cash that he was entitled to is having an impact on this as well. The entire playing group has taken a 5.5% pay cut, I think, and part of that is due to 2020 as well. Um, and they've got a lot of players that they still need to sign up, but they believe that there's still enough salary to be active players in the 2021 off-season. Now, we don't have I'm any names. Up too. We no, don't, have, we any don't names, have any names at the moment. But... but that sounds good. It does sound and very nice. It's part of this... It's part of this thing with Bont and Pelly. Um, since he's arrived, the club actually has the capacity to, to draw in these these sorts of players. Players that in previous years were all going to the same clubs. They were going to Collingwood, they were going to Hawthorne, they were going to Geelong. Now, I don't think we've matched their levels yet, but I think we're getting there. I think we're getting closer. We're suddenly able to bring in these sorts of players that we haven't been able to in the past. It's another thing too. We all we probably believed a bit about um, Keith and Bruce, of course, coming in 2019, yep. and a fair chunk of their deals, of course, um, from what I understand anyhow, have already been allocated for, from last year and to this year. So I think we've been a bit savvy too. Like we've tried to do something similar to an extent, but successfully to what the Pies have tried doing with it, which is you know using that extra year as a, as, a, as a strong bargaining chip to bringing such players across, you know, Keith, three years, Trigger for four, Bruce, again, four years, the Saints only offering maybe a maximum three, but, three. you know, was two, two years on top of his, his existing deal. So that extra year is definitely paying off. And a lot of players, well, the money's always an attractive prospect for sure, but there still is the idea for security and players will be willing to take a lower average wage with regards to having extra years worth of security. So we're very savvy in that too, I think, as well, uh, and making sure we're picking the right right players too. But it's 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 different because I'm wondering, with the space, we're not to know, but this you have to think that there's still enough in there to bring in maybe Cox two role players or oh, they, it, there you go, there you go, two bulldogs fans. Whether it's another trip, they are, they are, and of course Nick Cox was the player we would have uh, taken in last year's draft had Essendon. Uh, paid their first round pick, so uh, for Josh Dunkley that for is Dun- for Dunkley. Yeah. What do you what do you think about that too? Because from what I could see on the Wednesday night at the Mulgrave was a country club or such that Adam Trelaw there and uh, and Dunks and Dunks. Uh, Trelaw speaks fantastic. He seriously uh, is an open book about it about all what's what's happened to him, but he really goes about it in a, in a very good way. Listen, uh, listen involves as well. Unless it involves uh, relations with North Korea, I'm not sure. 
Uh, aside from that, I think Trelaw was pretty good. Pretty good to speak to about most issues. Don't know about that. He though. was. He was fantastic. Seriously, uh, very, no, very open, very confident in that regard. But even though he says he mentioned he has anxiety and such, but seriously approachable. I he fits, doesn't he? He's hmm. he's he's he doesn't he doesn't come across as the as as the big city boy from the big city club that's uh, hmm. that suddenly. Yeah. That suddenly suddenly downgraded to a to a more suburban side. He no, just fits he, in beautifully, doesn't he? With that group, he with, did mention with I think with the, I think with the with well, well the fans obviously love him, and in terms of he's always going to be if you're a fan favorite, you're going to be a big hit regardless. And fan favorites are normally pretty good at football as well, mm. but he's he's just click with that midfield group so quickly, mm. and he's coming off an interrupted preseason where he had a few injuries to deal with. He I wouldn't say he was rushed for round one, but there was very limited match practice. It was like two and a half quarters of match practice in the reserves competition, mind. And he's come out and it did take him a couple of games to really probably find his feet. He had that last quarter against West Coast where he was huge. And then he's been brilliant since. Brilliant against North. He, he got probably got two Brownlow votes there. He's very good against um, Brisbane. He was really brilliant, particularly in the first half against Gold Coast. It's really nice to see a you know a midfielder having the capacity to stream into fifty and dob it from there. And so we don't have many players like that. We know it's in McRae too this year. His kicking penetration has has come a long way. Uh, there seems to be a lot more depth and strength on it too. We, we know Bond can do it, of course, but even the others as well. Uh, Dunkley too seems like he's got a bit more of that back. But just adding to law, of course, we know it's another another dynamic to the midfield that. Mm-hmm. It's strange, you know, we've strengthened another strength, but, and many people think, you know, if you're trying to fix your strengths or add to it, there's not going to be a huge increase in that than fixing a weakness per se. We've still done it though, in the sense that it protects our weakness a bit more. And, but the differential, but of course the difference that he adds is, is a hell of a lot more than, you know, than any traditional player, you know, Hmm. even if it is still only one, one footballer. No, well, he has he has been a well. He, he they've he's had a huge impact. There's no doubt about that. We need to move on to fan questions, Nick. I know you love this section. Mm. Fan we've got questions. A fair few today. Yes, oh, we've got we've always got a lot. And uh, from our our regular questionnaire, debt has got uh got plenty as they normally do. Um, not not as many as last week though, but but still enough to uh, to whet our appetite. So let's see here. Watching VFL only the only competition for Lipinski. Are the current midfield group and Lin Jong? What weaknesses do you say in seeing Lipinski's game? Adet has stressed that uh, they love him, sees him as a, as a long every game. I don't know, maybe a typo there. I think the 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 weakness for Lipinski is actually quite similar to the weakness for McRae. If you can say McRae has a weakness, uh, and and the weakness would be that twenty possessions in a match isn't going to be enough for, for him to impact the game. Um, McRae can work around that because he's very good at finding the football. But I think what you saw last year with McRae was that his impact on games diminished slightly just because the quarters weren't as long. They struggled to, to find the, the ball as much. I think if, if McRae gets 20 disposals a week, I don't think he's going to have the same impact that he would if he were to get 33, 35. And that sort of makes sense. But I think Lipinski's sort of the same. I, I think he needs more of the ball to have an impact yeah. on games. He's a very neat footballer, Lipinski, you know, and I think yep. mentioned, I think Josh Bruce um, after the North Melbourne match said that 
and I find it very impressive that he said this, that's, um, it would be Lipinski um, would be the yeah. player he would like to receive the ball the most from. Not saying that's not the bond's good enough, of course the bond's good enough, but it's interesting to hear him say that because he's got exceptional vision and he's a very neat ball user. He's crafty. But we're talking about his weaknesses here. And I know you're going elsewhere exactly, with this. Yeah, I'm trying to figure it out here. Yeah, he's he's a bit slow in that sense. You know, he's not a quick player, but you don't need leg speed if you know if you're a smart, canny footballer. But they've tried putting him on the wing a fair bit, and I don't know if it's to do with his with his running patterns or his his engine. That you know, he still keeps playing it as much as he can, but his percentage or match game time it's not as high as what you would suspect a traditional winger could be. Mm-hmm. So we still see, of course, Hunter. We still see. Draw and maybe Smith playing those roles. Um, I could probably mention with that, he's probably slightly a, a bit one-dimensional though. He's not an inside mid. He's an outside player, but he's not yeah. an outside you know, winger. Yeah. So he's going to have to get thrown sometimes to half forward, but he's not exactly a marking target, even if he can take a couple of decent ones. So it's weird. Like You've got to try to make up an imaginary position either between um, the right wing and you know the right forward flank if the, if the position ever exists, which it doesn't clearly, but he does seem to be able to run all over the ground. But I don't know how strong his defensive game is. Still, it has improved, but not to the extent probably what the club hopes. That's why he's probably a lot on the fringe. He wasn't exactly dropped for this game, was he though? But he was just brought back in per se. He was brought in as a, as a late. So he's been dropped twice this year. He's he's earned two reprieves. So he was dropped from the side to play North Melbourne and dropped as the medic to the medical sub and then played pretty much the full game there. Then he was dropped this week against uh, Gold Coast and brought in as a late replacement for Vandermeer. So he's been dropped twice. And he's had two reprieves. And I'd say he's, he's sort of, he's gone all right, but he hasn't done anything in, in the, the two opportunities that he's been given. Uh, oh, and he was, he was, um, so he was uh, dropped as a medical sub against Brisbane as well in Ballarat. Although I think that was more tactical than, than anything else uh, because they brought in Lewis Young. So he's been dropped three times in five games and he's played all five games, I think. Technically, it's a, it's a very ironic uh, statistic. One of these weird seasons, um, but good, good on him though, because he's he's hanging in there and he's not. And I, I just, I just um, can look. I, I didn't say anything to his skills. He's skillful football. It's definitely not skills. Very, That's not his very problem. That's not his problem at all. I just think he's he's not the he's not a damaging player like Bonsampelli is. Uh, Bonsampelli can tear you up with twenty touches. So it's definitely not anything to do with Lipinski's skill. Like Lipinski's. Great player, hits his targets, doesn't doesn't turn the ball over a lot. But I think one of the I think it's it's just the fact that he needs more of the ball. So 20 disposals from him, 15 disposals is not going to be enough. He needs probably 25, 30. And I think when he was playing his best football in 2019, it was when he was getting 25, 30 disposals. I think that's when he was having the 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 bigger impact in terms of the midfield. But I think that's the only thing. I think if he can get to those numbers. I think you'll see that he he has more of an impact on games and he gets a more consistent run in the side. Uh, another one from from Det with Martin being rested and English playing more time up forward. Bevo is clearly trying to keep both fresh for finals. So Det's very confident about the fact that finals are already locked and loaded, five games in. Uh, do you anticipate Martin coming straight back in against an old and slow Shane Mumford? 
Now, just on that, I'm going to say Jordan Sway, I was very impressed with him. Like, granted, it was there was no recognized Ruckman for Goldcast, but he looked pretty comfortable at the level. It's yeah, the, it was like he was playing the reverse Dunkley, you know, with Hugh Greenwood taking up the Dunkley role in the ruck. Very the, strange. The most hitouts by an individual Bulldog uh, since round 22, 2017. Jordan Roughhead uh, managed 31 disposals. Sweet also, uh, sorry, 31 hitouts. I'm talking about Roughhead, 31 disposals. Jordan Sweet also with 31 hitouts at, at the weekend. So that's. That's quite a drought to, to break. Obviously, he played well. Do you think he'll keep his spot sweet? No, person, personally, I still don't think he will. And it's not because of Martin. Um, there's still probably a little bit of things that, if you listen to Beveridge's press conference again, that still believe that there was a little bit left to be desired for sweet. It was good to see him get a game. Though. What's that now? 1,027, I think it was. Yeah, 27, yeah. 1,027. Uh, player for the club, which is uh, which is incredible considering the amount we've, we've had. But no, it was nice to see, and actually, even though it wasn't against a recognised ruckman, it was nice to see us actually winning the ruck in consecutive games. Uh, it's a rarity in the beverage era. London buses, you you wait forever for for it to happen once, and then it happens back to back. You heard of the London buses effect? I I am I'm a constant referrer to that. I, I definitely subscribe to the London buses theory. You know what London Buses theory is, yeah? I do now. I'm probably sure I've heard of another one, though, but I don't remember what it is. But I'll take that theory with you. That's a fine one to take. Now, it's, it was good to see, though, and I'm glad he got his game. Um, but, no, it should be Steph coming in. The question is, though, I don't know whether it'd be Martin, uh, not Martin, um, whether Mumford will be still playing because he's now played, what, back-to-back matches in three games now for the Giants, and their intention was to... Not exactly having played a huge amount this year, usually uh, to leave him more as a development top role, I think, for this season and use him as a break the glass top case. But yeah, I'd say it might be best, regardless whether he's named or not, bring in Steph and to make sure, and I'm sure the boys have done this, they've already circled this match in and to make sure that they don't ever forget what happened in the 2019 final. Uh, they cannot seriously. They've got to do like a reverse Kenneth curse on this game, as far as I'm concerned. There's a there's a question here about that from uh, at Davy Boy JR1. Are there going to be fights in the GWSV Dogs game? Well, I reckon if the sun rises tomorrow, then yes. Going to go on a limb there. The sun rises. What are the odds on that? I wonder. Uh, yeah, well, tomorrow, well, I, 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 I just think only, only, it will only happen if the sun rises tomorrow. Otherwise, I have my doubts. But if the sun rises, would you hedge your entire fortune on that? That the sun rises. Most of it. Most of it. Okay, you're not, you're not. I don't see much faith in you there, Matt. Um, we just need to figure out where will Libba be, and who will he be taking on first. Well, That's we'll, the real question. Well, there's a there's a question about matchups here. So from at Moon Patrol 33 to beat GWS, it's as simple as shutting down Toby Green. Which defender gets first crack at him, and who's Plan B? Would have been Williams, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. It would have. For me, anyhow, because I like, I just enjoy what he's been able to do, and it's yeah. gonna be an absolute shame. I didn't go Williams. I actually think Easton Wood might be. That's the other better. name. That's the other name I would have mentioned. Yeah. So who's your plan? So so who's your plan B? What is then? my plan A now? Okay. Uh huh. So what is plan A? Plan B. Plan B. We'll go with. I don't want to say Crozier. Just go uh, become purely defensive though, because. He'd probably be taking on the Williams role for the kick-out duties. We've only had about three or four, uh, three or so blokes take kick-outs this year, I think. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Keith, 
Daniel uh, and Williams, oh, sorry, made that four and add Dale to that list, of course. But yeah, we've been pretty um, consistent with having three players lock and loaded with kick-out duties this year. I've enjoyed that compared to the, you know, the, the merry-go-rounds. That's been the case for the past couple of seasons. But no, it should still be Crozier. But I don't want to say it for him, but he's probably the best suited, you know, attributes-wise to, to match up with Green's ability in the air and probably similar type of leaping patterns too. I would think Wood just for, for that that ability to be able to do it in the air and on the ground. My plan B actually feel for what it's worth. Would I was thinking Jeray rather than um, yeah. Crozier. We better power through these ones. Uh, so you mentioned Williams. Uh, with Bailey Williams uh, going out, there is a lot of talk of bringing someone with height to replace. Though I think Williams is a running halfback flanker that's sold by Caleb Daniel coming in, who does have to come back in. And, and obviously Williams is going to miss, miss the next two to four weeks with that fractured collarbone. Uh, so Caleb, obviously, to come back in, uh, Stefan Martin to come back in. Do you think that's just a, a simple case of Daniel and Martin for Sweet and Williams? I would think so. We don't tend to do – well, the only ever changes that we tend to do um, are the ones that don't make any sense at, at all or there's the genuine straightforward swap ones. So in this case, it should be the straight swaps. What I will ask, though – um, who become or who remains the medical sub? Do you think Kavara comes out? Lipinski returns maybe as a medical sub. Do you think that might be the case? That's an interesting one. I think yeah, Kavara, I'm wondering I think the Kavara selection. Be harsh to mm. to technically you're dropping Kavara if you're going to put him back in the VFL. I thought I, I think that would be harsh to drop him because you've only sort of brought him in because someone else got injured. There's Vandermeer to come back in as well, obviously. So might be just be oh, Vandermeer for then. Kavara. There you go. So that's the three, three for three, I think. Where does Riley West sit in the pecking order? So this is from at Mr. Jacob with a K. Where does Riley West sit in the pecking order? Personally, I would have him in before Scott or McNeil. Question as well. I think we, when we're still trying to figure out what those two offer Scott and McNeil, but clearly the coaching staff are massive fans of what they bring and they feel that they do it better than, than anyone else on the list. So I think being that that sort of small pressure forward, not necessarily hitting the scoreboard, although they both got a goal on the weekend, but I think it's more about the pressure rather than the scoring. I don't think it's exactly the pressure's there for sure, but I don't think it's entirely that. I think it's another another intangible statistic um, that goes in favour of of both those guys and probably especially McNeil. I think it's the work off the ball that he does, which is sometimes putting himself in position for an opposition defender, you know, it blocks that little space there for one of his teammates, Ala Bruce, you know, or Norton or English, whoever else it might be to, to lead up into that hole there, you know? So he's playing those defensive blocks, for instance, you know, or preventing someone from going up for the mark per se in a, in a, in a contest. I think it's those types of responsibilities that McNeil's doing quite well. And seeing as he's, been a midfielder before, of course, in the sandfall and such. He'd probably well accustomed to those types of situations, you know, the nitty and gritty type things and being around that hectic environment. And it's not just, of course, in marking situations that I'm talking about for, for our, you know, three-headed or three-headed dog threat that we've got. It's the fact that each of them have got different levels of pace and he's able to just guard that space there at a contest. You have Norton powering through. You know, and he's pretty handy on the snaps as well. And Bruce too, we know he likes to run around on occasions too. I haven't seen Tim English do that a lot, but 
I think it's those types of things for, for McNeil anyhow. Scott, I think it's just different levels of insurance and, you know, being able to either play down back and, and up forward. There's that, you know, that word there, Matt, versatility. Mm-hmm. So and the, I can just see his his face reaction just change right then. It's beautiful. Just on those those the three headed monsters. So they combined for thirty seven goals in, in forty seven games last year. They've already kicked thirty seven goals between the three of them in fifteen matches this year. So this is Bruce Norton in English. I just thought I'd mention that as well. Um, here's a joking question from Mister Jacob. Why does Bailey Dale look like a seventeen year old who lied about his age so he could enlist in the army? Why hasn't anybody noticed this? And why isn't his nickname Digger already because of this? I think I think Digger would be a good name, just given his his track record in Ballarat as well. It's a good one. Oh, geez, that's not a bad shout. I like that now. Yeah, I like that. You, you mentioned right. the name there. I read it before, but now you've added the Ballarat connection. Well, that's what I, I thought that. of that before. Enjoy I thought that. of the, the the war reference, the World War One, World War Two reference. So the, they uh, both work as far as I'm right. concerned. Diggerdale, I like it. Uh, we'll, we'll go with that. So we've got we've got the Dutchman, and we've got Diggerdale. We've got we like uh, the we've got, we've got AHM for for Ryan Garner. We'll get through the entire list of all the seasons done. There's no doubt, no doubt about that. No, I still miss I still miss the, uh, the Shrine to Suckling. I still miss that. Shrine to Suckley. Uh, and just finally at Sully, one, four, five, four. And I think we've sort of already established this is this midfield group win a premiership premierships over the next few years. Should it be considered one of the greatest ever assembled? Frankly, I think it already is the greatest midfield that the club's ever assembled. Uh, a premiership would just rubber stamp that. I can't think of it, Nick. There, I know you, you, you I know you want to think about it. I, there, there isn't. This midfield group would beat any other midfield group we've ever had. It's the deepest we've ever had. I'm still trying to work Nick, it out in my head. Nick. 85. I'm trying to wonder the 85 side. The 85 side was great. It was fun to watch. I've seen it, not live, but I've seen it. But there, no, nah, it doesn't hold a candle to 2021. Not a candle. I mean, we've, we've spoken about it. It doesn't matter what or who is sitting on the bench. That midfield group at every center bounce is just filled with stars. Stars. There's no, there's no weakness. There's no, there's no, there's no possibility yeah, to explain. All the lines are filled as far as we're concerned there. And I would have to agree. If it does, of course, get a flag, then you can then you can write all your want about it and, and you know, say whatever you want to and say, yep, it is the, the greatest ever assembled. But it's got to do that. Right now, it's just paper. And as far as I'm concerned, until I see a fl- another flag next to certain other players' names and a flag next to other players' names, for now, it's just um, hopes and ambitions, though. So. We better it, it is capable. It should, should definitely get us another one. And we need, by God, I hope it does. We need to talk about the VFL because I know you wanted to talk about the VFL and we'll maybe not dedicate as much time to it as we wanted to, but with all those questions and with everything else we wanted to discuss, Footscray got off to a winning start. So this is around one of the, the new national Victorian football league competition. 16, 13, 109 to 6, 642 over Gold Coast. So it's headlined by a forgotten man. Although we've, I think we've mentioned him a couple of times, Shaki. We do like goals, this man very much. Five goals, four. He's he is seriously banging down the door. It must be really frustrating to see this um, Bulldog side is score for fun. They've scored a hundred points in three of the first five games. Um, they've broken all sorts of scoring records, margin records. Norton, Bruce, and English are killing at the forward line. He's kicked five goals, four. I think it was from nineteen disposals, all kicks. Um, by the way, yep. and 12 marks as well. 12 marks. Eugle Hagen kicked uh, two goals, as did Ruben William, who's still kicking around uh, in the VFL. And uh, returned to the club this, uh, for this season, of course. 
then Jong, Wallace, West, Glass, McCasker, and Hannon each got a goal. And then in terms of the disposals, Will Hayes continues to do what he does at VFL level, 28 disposals. Garcia, Jong, and McComb, 24. And you mentioned earlier, Nick, that the Bulldogs will, will only make changes if it's either a like-for-like swap or if there just is no sense to it at all. Shaki with, with five goals. Uh, Lin Jong, who's had a, an exceptional fortnight in the VFL. And Riley Garcia, who, who has also played very well in the last fortnight and we know is someone that they rate very highly. Uh, when they, they draft him, they, they traded live during the draft to make sure they could get him. Is there Admittedly, any... was a future fourth, but they, they did the deal, of course. It was, yeah. it was against the Hawks, wasn't it? Hawthorne, yes. Yeah. So they've, they've gone out of their way to make sure that they can bring him into the club. Is it the possibility that any of those three could be playing on Friday night? So this is between Shaki, Jong and Garcia. I'd still say it's very low, but I do think at least towards the back end of the season, I think the club wants to bring in Garcia very much. I think he'd be, so he's still more of a midfielder, but he's got a lot of good traits about him as a ground ball get small forward. There's, there's some good energy in him. So I'd say look, most likely to debut or to get into the lineup this week would probably be Shaky. I doubt it though, but the most likely to retain, uh, you know, uh, retain their spot in the lineup when it happens would probably be Garcia. Yeah. Must be terribly frustrating for, for Shaki. It would be. It would be. Terribly frustrating because he's been That's very it. good. In, mm-hmm. He's been very good. Kavara's been very good as well. Uh, the, the two of them and Yugel Hagen as well. Uh, they've all been kicking goals, but certainly I can understand why Yugel Hagen's a little further down the pecking order. Mm. But yeah, Shaki's kick... definitely ahead at the moment, obviously. Yeah. But you can't drop Bruce or Norton or English. And you can't drop another small forward because then it just goes too tall. So it's actually just the old one out at the moment. Does and and that suggests this? Does Jong threaten Lipinski spot? Though he could actually, because he's more likely to find himself locked into a spot on the field. Generally, you know, as a as a high half forward, even you know, he's got a good set of hands on him, and he's probably got a. A bit more leg speed, which we do, which we have added into the lineup. But it's ironic because you mentioned, or he mentions anyhow, John Filipinski. I think technically Trelaw's been the actual legitimate replacement for for John. You know that type of player that we wanted to bring. And you know, like how we've seen John always when he's been fit for the most part, yeah. he's featured quite strongly. You know, just like when Dale's been fit for the most part, he's featured quite strongly in the lineup. Mm. So. I'm wondering though, what about Riley West? Because that was another question that was brought up too. You know, when he might get his opportunities and such too. And twenty-two to as a small forward, twenty-two disposals and a goal for for Riley West. So certainly mm-hmm. did his bit. Just mm-hmm. other couple of numbers here. So Bukakamas, nineteen disposals, nine marks. Would he be a candidate potentially? I don't know. We like our we like our intercepting defenders. We do, and the aggressive mindset because you know, he's got that. But then you have you might have then maybe. Three two tools, sorry, three tools too many down back that aren't even because a key position players. Woods, Crozier, and then Karmas potentially. Keith, yeah. Young, Karmas, and then English, and then either Sweet or Martin, and then mm-hmm. Bruce Norton, English. There's a lot of tools. That is and, a lot. And of tools. I, I, I understand, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Tools sort of ever assembled, I'm sure. You can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm, stuff. I'm pretty sure in Canberra they don't play under a roof. No, they do not. Okay, good. I'm glad we cleared that up. And mine, uh, one degrees, did you say as well? 
Well, that is fun. the forecast for Friday night. So we're definitely going to have to be uh, rather warm, I think. Well, if, sure. if, you, if you prepare for it like you did prepare for getting to Marvel, I can, I'm, I'm expecting you to rock up in a pair of shorts on uh, Friday night. Please don't do that. Don't blame me. Blame the Melbourne traffic. That was not my fault. Okay. I got there at like 3.45 and I was waiting for the next 45 minutes for a parking spot. Okay. It's, uh, it's, it's Dan Andrew's fault that you chose to drive in. Anyway, you bet it uh, is. Do you, you do you want me to walk to Frankston? Can you envisage any other? So we so we know so Caleb Daniel will come back in. That's that's a guarantee. Uh, Stefan Martin is is pretty close to a guarantee. Latham Vandermeer, they they love him. They pick him when he's fit. I would say he's probably going to go in as well. So there's three changes there. Can you see just before we go any others? Is there a fourth in the offing? And and we're assuming as well that that we're mm. they're replacing Williams, Sweet, and Lipinski just because of of mm. they are the players who repla- have replaced them at the weekend. Yeah, last in, first out to an extent yeah. or whatever it is. But yeah, so yeah. And that still leaves two other spots that we still which we mentioned before with McNeil and Scott, but they still keep holding their place, don't they? Johannesson's a, a, another one that I don't know. He's he's not he's not in his customary role anymore, and I don't know if he's having a major impact on games. No, I'd still back his quality though. I still like his back his point of difference to the lineup for sure though, and I think it's just a matter of time. I know we've been waiting a little bit, but there still is plenty to offer from him, and you know he's still a good footballer. He still demands respect, but it's just getting him to readjust to what we're after, which is his challenge. Well, I think they better just about do us for. Uh, another week, a slightly extended episode. I think a little longer than the the hour mark, but that's okay. When you've when you've got that much to talk about, and you're, you're five and five and zero, I think it's always going to be always going to want to talk for for a little bit longer. But as I say, that's going to that's going to do us for for another week. But you can check all of our previous uh, salty bulldog episodes through Spotify or Apple, and I'm sure wherever else you you might be able to get your podcasts from, just by typing in the salty bulldog. You can also type in the salty bulldog onto Facebook and YouTube to check out our episodes there. Also on Twitter at the Salty Bulldog for all the latest Bulldogs news as well. On Instagram, type in the.salty.bulldog. And there's also our website, www.thesaltybulldog.com.wix forward slash home. So until next week, my name is Matthew Donald. I've had Nick Galea uh, with me. I uh, very much appreciate his, uh, his company, his insight. Always a pleasure, mate. Always a pleasure. To our loyal listeners, wherever you've been tuning in from around the world, we do thank you for your time. And until next week, take care.